Christmas can be a very special time, but it can also be a very stressful time. And given everything that has been going on this year, who knows what will unfold this holiday season? What if, for once, we just relaxed and gave ourselves permission to focus on what really matters? Welcome to the Calm Christmas Podcast with me, Beth Kempton. Just like my book of the same name, I hope the Calm Christmas Podcast inspires connection, belonging, self-care, nourishment and joy and a little bit of festive magic. Hello there and welcome to episode 7. So here we are in December. Are you feeling Christmassy yet? Today I'm going to be talking about gathering or not gathering. Who knows this year? It's just a few weeks away but lots of us still aren't sure about our plans for Christmas this year. Gathering is a huge part of Christmas for many of us, but obviously this year it's likely to be different in some ways in this pandemic-affected world. Obviously some of us have restrictions on our movements, some of us have rules about how and whether we can actually gather, and some of us may be feeling differently about gathering this year compared to usual years. We've known for some time here in the UK that until March next year, we're not going to be able to get together in groups of more than six at the very best case scenario. Um, So that, as soon as we heard about that a while back, it was instantly something that changed plans for a lot of people around Christmas time. And I know that there are restrictions like that in many other places around the world. Some people are still sheltering, concerned about health risks of mingling with others. And I know for sure that a lot of people have found 2020 very challenging financially, which might affect um, whether or not we feel we can afford a big celebration this year. There is so much in the mix as we ask ourselves this question about together or not together. I also think it's probably fair to say that there is going to be a whole lot of guilt around our feelings right now. Um, When I was researching my book about Calm Christmas, one of the topics that came up time and again was how people feel forced to travel for Christmas. And while they love to gather with family, they'd really like to have a year at home in their PJs and not go anywhere. If that's you, then, you know, you've got that scenario delivered to you this year. And perhaps you don't need an excuse not to travel But when we don't, of course, there are people who want to see us that don't get to see us. And in many cases, guilt comes with that. There are going to be all sorts of feelings in the air this Christmas. That much is for sure. As with much of 2020, this Christmas is what it is. We can only do what we can do and we can only do what we're allowed to do. The rules, of course, will be different depending on where you are. But the one thing we know for sure is that most of us won't be gathering in huge groups, having massive office parties, going to masquerade New Year balls, or even simply getting three generations around the table for Christmas dinner. For some of us, this is devastating. For others, the truth is it's a relief. Check in with yourself to see how you really feel about it. Really, only you can answer the question to gather or not to gather. In this episode, I want to approach the question in two ways. Firstly, on the assumption that you will be gathering and looking at how to make that less stressful. And then secondly, on the assumption that you won't be gathering and look at some creative ways that you can still connect with others. So first of all, 
if you will be gathering with other people this Christmas. Do you remember the question I raised earlier in the series asking if you could only do one special thing for or with each person you love this year, what would it be? If you're gathering this year but are still worried that things won't be the same as usual, consider how you could focus on giving people your full attention when you are together, perhaps doing one special thing together. How could you orchestrate a gathering to focus on the shared time that so many of us have been craving this year? where the focus is on togetherness. You know, those moments of real presence often transform into memories. Let me share one of mine, taken from my book, Calm Christmas. It's at Christmas time that I most notice the changing shape of things. We're gathered for Christmas lunch. My grandma is in her favourite over-the-knee tweed skirt and the high-necked powder blue blouse she saves for best. She's not really with it these days, pottering in the margins of dementia, but she's here today. She moved in next door a few years back when it got too much to live in a big old house up north all by herself. When she came here, she told everyone her name was Mary, even though it's actually Morag. She thought it would be easier to remember, but I couldn't help wondering if she'd left a little of herself in her old house on Manaway. Mary Morag laughs easily through her confusion, limply pulls a cracker and looks excited about lunch. I'm 14, still learning to navigate my teenage years amid all the messy hair crises and burden of self-consciousness. My older brother is 16, as big as the doorframe, and trying to hide his excitement behind those moody bangs. My younger brother is just eight years old. He's the reason we still send our Christmas lists up the chimney, put out carrots for Rudolph, and hang out stockings in hope. Of course, he knows, and probably does it for me, really. I appreciate that. My mother is in the kitchen, hands in fat oven gloves, holding a tray of roast potatoes. Crispy on the outside, fluffy as dreams in the middle. Cheeks pink from the heat, all the pride. She's glad her brood isn't bickering today. On the one day of the year we're allowed to eat anything we want. All we want is Christmas dinner. Dad carves. I stand at the stone dividing wall between the kitchen and the dining space, ready to deliver steaming promise to the table, which is laid carefully with a green cloth and candles. I pause for a moment and take in the scene. My beloved grandma snuffling under her party hat as the sherry takes effect. She won't be in that chair for many more dinners, and I wonder what she's thinking. My brothers act cool, but they're not too cool for Christmas. Soon we'll have our heads in exams, then be off to uni and into our own lives, with boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses and children of our own. I watch mum and dad laughing about something, blurred at the edges by the cloud of steam from the turkey and think that they won't always be this young. I wonder if they feel the shifting shape of the family too. I can't wait to grow up, yet I already want the rushing years to slow down. The unknowns and invitations of adult life are calling, but they can wait, for now. Because I want to be here, with these people, in this house, with this food, today, at least, together. I hope focusing on being together, really being there with each other, if you do get together this year, will make things extra special. But that's not to say there won't be any stress. In fact, after all we've been through this year, it's quite possible that tensions will run higher than ever. And if we have guests, they're going to arrive carrying way more than a pile of presents this year. On December the 27th, a couple of years back, I overheard two dog walkers discussing their respective Christmases. Honestly, on Christmas Day, I couldn't breathe, said the first. I wish I'd just stepped outside for a few minutes. Something so simple can make a huge difference in the midst of tension or conflict. 
but we often neglect to do it. Instead, we allow ourselves to get embroiled in heated conversations and arguments. Here are a few tips on avoiding tension over the holidays taken from my book Calm Christmas, which has a whole chapter on the big event of Christmas itself. Remember, you don't have to accept every invitation, especially if you suspect the atmosphere might turn acrimonious. If you do accept, be realistic about how long you should stay. For instance, it might, take, it might be fine to join for lunch, but staying overnight would be too much. Or perhaps you could just pop in for an hour in the afternoon. You might want to team up with a close friend and plan an exit strategy if the conversation gets too heated or strays into unwelcome territory. If you're the host and nervous about potential conflict, be upfront about the duration of your invitation. You might want to keep it short this year. It's your right and responsibility to set any ground rules. You know, no political debates in your home. You can do that in a serious or a light-hearted way. Um, it can feel awkward, but it can make all the difference to whether or not you have a good time. Where possible, build movement into the time that you're going to be spending together. You know, go on a long country walk if you can. Get people moving. Um, it really helps to lift the mood. And then it's lovely to come back into your home afterwards. If the particular group of people who are gathering have been plagued by conflict in the past, try and work out why and how you might minimise the likelihood of it raising its head again. It's so easy to bury our heads in the sand and then we do the same old gathering again and, oh, look, there's the same old arguments. But if it tends to be initiated by something specific, you know, like alcohol, for example, try serving mocktails instead of cocktails or doing something that doesn't involve drinking. It sounds really obvious, but we often don't do it and go into the same kind of event year after year. If one particular person often looks for an argument, try thinking of conversation starters you can use to lead them away from challenging topics. I always find it helps to imagine meeting someone for the first time, even if I know them really well. What would I ask them about their life or their memories of Christmas? Something which will steer them away from the same old topics that they tend to talk about. If you expect some unwelcome questions, plan your answers and then work out how to move on to other topics. Preempting awkward conversations is going to give you more confidence and help you stay calm if a difficult topic does arise. And then, of course, after the event, you can reflect on what happened if things did kick off um, and try to figure out how best to handle it next time, because it's always easier with hindsight. And of course, there's always the question of whether there should be next time. If you find yourself hosting this year, you can find loads of tips for staying calm and being a mindful host in my book, Calm Christmas, and I really hope that they help you. So that's the main event, but let's take a wider look at planning for the Christmas build-up, because you talk about gathering and perhaps think about Christmas dinner, but there's actually so many different ways that we gather in the run-up to Christmas and during Christmas itself. If you tend to get overwhelmed with everything that comes at you at this time of year, maybe this time you could ease the transition to a calmer Christmas by inviting some people to a smaller gathering or a shorter gathering and one that's just lunch instead of dinner or perhaps a winter picnic or a walk with a hot drink instead of something sit down and formal. Making things more casual can really help. Bringing things away from the big day and doing them earlier in December or perhaps in January. Moving them away from the big day of Christmas itself can also really help. Um, and it's really important to consider your energy levels over Christmas. 
Think about the balance of uptime and downtime that you need in the run up. And then if you can align the type of gathering that you're planning with your energy levels and personality, um, that's going to really help. So if you know that um, you get exhausted by being around a lot of people for a lot of time, if for some reason you have to have that kind of gathering to host it or to be there, then be sure to spread out your workload from work um, to and, and your other social commitments to give you space to recover if you know that a particular gathering is going to take a lot out of you. And then you're going to have a far better chance of enjoying your time together and avoiding stress um, and having that crucial recovery time so you keep good energy levels up um, all the way through the holidays. This is a great time to be thinking about all this, planning in the uptime and downtime to avoid exhaustion by the time New Year rolls around. If you missed episode three of this series, you might enjoy it. That's all about comfort and joy in winter and it's full of ideas to take care of yourself this year. And on a separate note, if you're worried about yet more time together after many months of lockdown or sheltering in place or working from home while homeschooling this year, um, let me say a couple of words about that. Because the reality for many of us is that there's a sense of Groundhog Day, being stuck in a rut with a loss of motivation, a general exhaustion after months of challenging home arrangements, disappointments over cancelling, a torrent of bad news, all these things. And if you're still sheltering in place or you're locked down or you don't know whether things are going to be open or not, you don't know if you can gather with people that you love, all these things, it's going to be heavier than usual. So perhaps the most important way to savour this year's festivities is to make the time between Christmas and New Year very special and different from all the other days in pyjamas. I call that time of year the hush and I'm going to be talking about it a lot more later in this podcast series. But I think it's really worth taking a moment now to think ahead about what you might like to do with that time between Christmas and New Year, especially if you're normally travelling long distances to stay with family and you're not going to have to do that this year. You know, you might want to plan some one-to-one time with your children. You might want to assign one day of the hush for each family member and they get to be in charge of deciding what you do on that day. You might want to swap adults and children's roles around one day. Um, there's all sorts of fun things that you can do. If your children are old enough to engage in a family session of reflecting on the year and sharing hopes for 2021, that could be a wonderful way to spend one of the days. And if 2020 has felt like one giant pause and you're done with pauses, then perhaps you could be proactive during that time, taking action to move beyond the pause. You know, decluttering your house, researching new job opportunities, dreaming and scheming for good things to come, all those kinds of positive things that you can do together. But what if you're not gathering? I know from my research that for a lot of people, this will be a blessing in disguise after many years of feeling obliged to travel to see family each Christmas. But perhaps that sense of relief sits heavy alongside guilt that you feel you should want to see people, as I mentioned earlier in this episode. Or perhaps you really do want to see them. You'd love nothing more than a house full of people at Christmas, but you can't. There are no easy answers here, except perhaps to practice acceptance and get creative with ways we can still make it special. On the subject of acceptance, scores of people have written to me to say how the approach to acceptance shared in my book, Wabi Sabi, has really helped them. So I thought I'd share it with you today. Wabi Sabi teaches perspective. 
seeing things for how big or small they really are, whether they really matter and whether to nourish them or let them go. When something hard is happening, acceptance can be a real friend. It's not about handing over your power or allowing inappropriate behaviour. It's not passive. It's active. Acceptance means saying, 1. This is what is happening. Observing it, not resisting it. 2. This is how much it really matters, if at all. 3. This is the beginning of all that is to come, and this is what I'm going to do next. It's saying, this is where I am. This is where we are. The vase is smashed. The marriage is broken. The business is struggling. I'm lonely. My child is upset. I just got rejected. Again. Whatever is going on, this is what is right now. We mustn't ignore what's happening, but we also don't need to dramatise it. We need to live and acknowledge it. And then let go of the attachment to it. The truth is, we can't hold on and we can't just push on past. When we learn to surrender to difficulty, accepting that it will come and it will go, life shifts from a battle to a dance. I know it's hard. So much about 2020 has been hard. And for some, the hardest thing of all is not being able to be with people we love, especially at Christmas time. But try those three steps for acceptance and see what your brain and heart come up with as a suggestion for what to do next. If you haven't yet listened to episode two of this series called Making Magic and Memories, it might give you some inspiration for a different kind of Christmas this year. If you're not going to be gathering with others, there are lots of really simple ways to connect with people at this time of year, even if you aren't getting together. Of course, we all know that we can do Zoom versions of almost anything these days, and there'll be surely a lot more of that going on this Christmas than ever before, and I think that's important. It doesn't have to be formal. You can just open up the video connection and cook your Christmas dinner alongside each other, enjoying a virtually connected Christmas day, if that's your thing. If you want to do that, it's obviously worth making sure that any relatives who are nervous about computers are all set up in advance. So then on Christmas Day, it's just a click and go for them and there's nothing for them to worry about. We can also stay connected to people through the postal service, letters, cards, small gifts, homemade advent calendars, homemade goodies like food. All those things go a long way to making others know that we're thinking of them and they can be a joy to create for us as well. What often happens is that Christmas is suddenly upon us and we don't have time to make the things that we want to make. So if we think about it now, then maybe there's time to carve out the space we need to create those things. And of course, to make it before the last posting dates are suddenly here. Connection is such a huge piece of the story at Christmas because in some ways, that's what makes Christmas special for many people. And in some ways, it's what makes Christmas very hard for people. And so I think it's not that connection is always going to be an easy topic to talk about, but it goes both ways. If a connection is lacking or broken or not what people want it to be, it can be a real time for sadness, loneliness or grief. It can be really difficult. And I'm going to be talking a lot about that later in this series because those kinds of difficult emotions affect so many of us at this time of year. Whether it's because of what's going on at Christmas or because Christmas becomes a market in the year where we think about people that we miss or perhaps things haven't worked out as we wanted this year. There are all sorts of reasons for feeling sad, lonely, just down around Christmas time. So there's going to be a special episode on that coming up. 
But for now, I just want you to take a moment to think about the kind of connections that you would like to nurture this Christmas and how you can reach out to people who might be in need of connection as well. A lot of people seem much more open to connecting with strangers at Christmas. You know, when the spirit of Christmas is hovering in the air and people seem to be in a jolly kind of mood. It can be really lovely to share a friendly greeting with a passerby or take the time to have a quick chat with a barista or a local producer who's growing the vegetables you're going to have in your Christmas dinner or an independent shop owner who's battled cycles of lockdowns and all sorts of restrictions this year and is struggling to stay afloat, who really appreciates your business and your company. Those kinds of chats can really lift your spirits as well as theirs. I also think we can find a real connection in the pages of beautiful books or free podcasts like this, in music, all of these things, anything that's been created by somebody to reach somebody else, you can feel the connection in there. So those are places you can always turn to if you're in need of connection. And in some ways, social media too. I mean, it has a lot to answer for and it can be a real trigger at this time of year, but it can also be a really important place to find that we're not alone in thinking certain things or seeing the world in a certain way or having a certain experience. So used well and healthfully, those channels can help us feel connected to others as well. I always say, if you're down, reach out. And if you're up, reach out. So lots to think about this week. And on the subject of connection, for this week's origin story, I thought we could explore the Christmas card. Did you know that the first Christmas card was created in 1843, when an inventor by the name of Henry Cole commissioned the artist John Calcott Horsley to design it? The card bears the greeting, A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. And it features a jolly gathering of people toasting the festivities. Less than four decades later, following the introduction of the Halfpenny Post, annual sales of Christmas cards in Britain had reached more than 11 million. These days, Christmas cards are declining in popularity generally, as consumers switch from large packs of cards to individual cards, e-cards and, of course, social media messages. A survey in 2017 suggested that less than half of all 25 to 34-year-olds in the UK send any cards at all, Although Etsy, that home of homemade goods online, has seen a huge rise in searches for custom holiday cards in recent years, such as those featuring personalised family portraits. Interestingly, it seems that the opposite is true in the United States, with millennials representing nearly 20% of the dollars spent on greetings cards, with that spending growing faster than any other generation, according to Hallmark. Overall, Americans buy a staggering 1.6 billion Christmas and holiday cards every year. So Christmas cards are big business um, and they can be a really lovely thing to exchange at this time of year. My friend Louise, who used to be a copywriter for Hallmark, told me how she and her team would have sweltering meetings in the height of summer with Christmas pop songs playing, trying to get in the, fer- in the festive spirit in line with the production <laughs> timetable. I was a bit like that, writing my book, Calm Christmas, and a lot of makers, artists and designers find themselves having to create and design out of season two. Um, I know I personally ended up editing the manuscript on the hottest day of the year. It was quite a strange experience for someone who's used to cold, wet winters. Anyway, how do you feel about Christmas cards, I wonder? I'm kind of torn, a bit like gifting, really. Um, When I receive a card from someone I haven't seen all year and it just says... Uh, Merry Christmas from the Smith family. I'm grateful that they sent it to me, but it feels a bit like a waste, really. You know, the card, the envelope, the postage, the effort to send it. And there's nothing in there that tells me anything about their life. And I really want to know. 
But when I receive a card that's got a few sentences about the year gone by, I love that someone has taken the time to write and that feels really precious. Personally, I only send a handful of cards each year and I don't send them to a set list of people, um, but rather to those who've been particularly supportive during the year or people I know have had a really hard year. I also love to send cards to friends in foreign lands as a way to stay in touch between our meetings, which are often many years apart. And I take care to choose festive stamps that send a little flavour of the British Christmas on the envelope across the sea to them. I think sending Christmas cards can be a lovely option if someone has had a really difficult year and really doesn't want to meet up um, with anyone over the festive season or or doesn't really want to talk about how they're feeling because it's an opportunity to reach out and let them know that you care without invading their space or catching them at a difficult moment when they'd rather be alone. So here's a challenge for this week. Um, Why not pick five people to make a real effort with this year when it comes to Christmas cards, either making them yourself or choosing a beautiful one for each person and put some time aside to write a beautiful, thoughtful message, more like a short letter that really considers what they've been through this year or to thank them for being there for you and having been supportive over the past year. You know, you could do that in an hour or two, one evening, and it would make so much difference to the people who received them. And those people don't have to be your best friends or people you always send a card to. Maybe people who've just made a real difference in your life this year. Why not let them know with a Christmas card? I know who's on my list and I'm going to write those cards tonight. And so for our get ahead tips this week, um, besides those five special Christmas cards, you might want to make a list of anyone else you need to reach out to this year and how you um, might do that, whether it's with the card or uh, with a video call or, or whatever else. Um, upcoming Christmas last posting dates. These are for the UK. Of course, you want to check if with your own postal service for other parts of the world. Wednesday the 9th is the last day for UK Christmas post to all parts of Africa, Asia, Caribbean, Central and South America, the Far and Middle East. Um, and then Thursday the 10th of December is the last day for Canada, Cyprus and Malta. And Friday the 11th of December is the last day for UK Christmas post to Greece, Eastern Europe, except the Czech Republic, Poland and Slovakia. Um, And also Friday the 11th for Turkey. And then Saturday the 12th is the last day um, for Christmas post to the Czech Republic, Finland, Italy, Poland, Sweden and the USA. That's all according to the Royal Mail here in the UK. Other things for this week, if your decorations haven't gone up yet, now's a good time to plan when you're going to get your tree, if you're going to get one um, from a tree farm, for example, um, and make an afternoon or an evening of decorating together. Um, Obviously, upcoming is the first weekend of December. I know a lot of people um, decorate trees now, and then there's a whole lot of other people that decorate them much nearer Christmas. I am definitely in the leave the trees up as long as possible camp. And um, by the time you're listening to this, my tree is up, I am sure. Um, If not, we will just be getting all the decorations out um, and planning a lovely evening of decorating it. Also this week um, in the garden, the um, according to the Royal Horticultural Society, so this is based for the Northern Hemisphere, now is a good time to repair lawns, sheds and fences when weather conditions allow, to shake snow off trees if there's been any snow, Um, obviously of shrubs and hedges as well, Um, to earth up tall Brussels sprout stems to support them, to insulate garden taps and exposed pipes to stop them freezing, um, and to bring in Christmas bulbs for flowering. 
For those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, I really recommend following Byron Smith and Tess Robinson. Um, they're at Urban Growers on Instagram. Um, they're the authors of a lovely book called Slow Down and Grow Something. Um, and they say this about summer down under, which is obviously... Um, where you are in the year at the moment. They say, in our household, summer is a three-month-long celebration of life. The sky is bright, the sun is hot, and the garden is alive. Long days at the beach roll into balmy nights spent in the garden with good friends and good food. We're busy harvesting honey from our beehive, picking our prolific cucumbers, tomatoes and basil, and regularly watering our plants. Wow, that sounds dreamy. And a whole world away. (laughs) Okay, also you might want to think of something you could do daily in December to support your well-being. It could be to download a meditation app with a daily prompt to take some time out. It could be to set an alarm on your phone to go for a daily walk or maybe just have a daily dance around your kitchen. It could be spending a bit of time in the garden, in a park, in the woods. Um, it could even be to pop over to my Instagram at Beth Kempton and read my daily alternative advent calendar, which I'm sharing all through December up until Christmas whatever works for you. And don't forget, coming up on December the 11th, certainly here in the UK and possibly in other countries around the world, it is National Christmas Jumper Day. So get out your best Christmas jumper or your cheesiest Christmas jumper or the one that lights up or whatever it is that you love to wear on Christmas Jumper Day. Um, And remember that it is a day for charity. Save the Children is one of the charities um, that invites donations of £2 if you're wearing your Christmas jumper to work or onto your Zoom calls. Um, It's a really fun day and I know for sure that I will be in my Christmas jumper on December the 11th. So that's it from me. I hope you have a lovely week and I will be back next Thursday with a new episode all about festive food. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it and please do tell any friends who might enjoy it. Until then, take good care of yourself. You've been listening to the Calm Christmas Podcast with me, Beth Kempton. For more inspiration and ideas, cosy up with a copy of my book, Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year, a little book of festive joy. It's available now from all good bookshops or listen to the audiobook read by me. Wishing you a calm Christmas and a happy new year.